2: Over the last six weeks, truly the Lord has brought me all over the place. I've been from Michigan to Mongolia to all up and down the eastern seaboard, speaking, meeting with people, etc. And even though I traveled to all of those places, and we talked a lot about many things, the one topic that seemed to prevail over all the other topics that we would speak about is basically what's happening in the United States with all of this racial and relational tension that's going on. And so that gave me a lot to think about. And then with the hours that I spent on airplanes, I was able to really think through my thoughts about the racial tension that's going on in the world today. So as I was contemplating all of that, the Lord began to put a message together in my heart. And then I said, where will I ever have the opportunity to be able to speak on God's grace extended to all races? So I said to myself, well, I guess it'll be in a chapel program here at Florida Bible College. That might work out. Little did I know that when I arrived a few days later, I would get this wonderful invitation to be able to share God's Word with you. So that meant that I had to kind of speed up a little bit putting my thoughts together into a sermon for you all on this particular topic. Now, when I speak on the issue of God's grace extended to every race, I want you to know that I'm not speaking it to a group of people who already do not care about people of other ethnicities and races, etc. I'm also knowing that um, I could be putting a fatal um, bullet into me to never be asked again to speak because I'm speaking on such a hot topic as my first time here. But I believe that if all of us would just settle down for a moment, we would realize that that is a topic that we probably talked about most recently. Let me just show you how it's prevalent in your own life just by this one question. And if you would feel comfortable enough to raise your hand, it'll kind of show to all of us how up close and personal it is. How many of you have a friend, a relative, an associate, someone you go to school with or work with, you're on the team with, or maybe a neighbor who is of another ethnicity or of another racial background? Would you raise your hand if that's the case? I didn't even mention worship because we have different groups here. So, you may put your hands down. So, as I look, you know that this message could really help all of us. Now, for some, I hope it'll turn the light on so that you will perhaps have a greater extension of God's grace through you to others of another race. Others of you might celebrate, boy, I'm so glad I learned this. I see where I am doing, what I should be doing, and I thank God for what He's done in my life. And for others of you, you know you should, but you don't know why or how you could extend grace to those of another race. And maybe by today's message, This might give you some of that as well. And for you parents or those of you working with the next generation leaders, you might want to take some notes and then uh, run it through your own grid of experience and the Word of God and where you are and the people to whom you're mentoring and see what you might be able to do to add value to them as well. And I, I hope that it really would. There are three big words that we're going to look at today. One is obviously race. The other is going to be prejudice. And then the other will be reconciliation. And so if you keep those words in your mind, you're going to see me talk about those throughout the message. But if you'd only hang on the understanding of those words and what it means to us as Christians, it might let you know where we are by the end of the message. The other thing is that as I go through this, I'm going to spend a great deal of time trying to define what is race, what is prejudice, and a little bit about reconciliation, although I believe you've got a lot of that because you've got good sound Bible teaching here. So I do want to give you the background, but I also want to give you What does God say about all of this? And then finally, what are we as a church supposed to do about racial reconciliation and what we might be able to do? So some of you that might think, well, I don't really need this message today. I think if um, any of us would have attended a service of any of the police officers who have died, you would then feel like, yeah, we do need to hear this message. If you're of any family member that was abused, marginalized, or victimized because of your race, you would say this message is very important, and you're glad it's being given. And so I hope that at the end of today that we will all understand God more, His love more, His grace more, and then what we should do with all of that to the other races with whom God brings into our sphere of influence. For me, I um, grew up, I was born in the North, but I really grew up in the South. I'm really a Florida boy, Florida cracker almost. My family lived even in the Florida Keys for a long time, so I kind of had that deep philosophy of the South, and that's not to marginalize anyone from the South. That's just to let you know I grew up in that environment. We really didn't have a feeling too much one way or the other way. We didn't hear racial jokes around the house. We didn't really talk much about it. But I know that it was there, it was everywhere we went. But at the same time, it wasn't until I went to Bible college that I had my first step into the journey of understanding what God would have to say about races and racial issues. It came from a, a student who then became a graduate who was always my good friend from the first time I met him. He's now in heaven. His name is Sonny Blue Eyes. He was a Native American. He then went back as a missionary pastor to his own tribe, we might say, in beautiful northwestern upstate New York to the Tonawanda and the Seneca Indians. But I can ever remember a time that he didn't stand up before a crowd like you And he would always begin, after he was introduced to sunny blue eyes, he would say this. He would say, I am an Indian by race, but I am a Christian by grace. And I'll tell you, that stuck with me, and it was a lesson that I'll never forget him, nor will I ever forget that little phrase. From that, it was like the beginning of the dike opening up. For me to really begin understanding. And not to say I know everything about God's grace. Nor do I ever know. What those that have been marginalized by. A racial persecution. And for those of you that are listening to me here. And on radio on internet. And streaming all over the world. That might hear this. I want to say to you who have been victimized. Because of your race or ethnicity. That I am really sorry for you. I am so sorry that's happened to you. And if I could erase that in your life. I would do it, and I can, and maybe this is a message, this little tiny message, this one little time, I hope will be a little bit to help you, so I am very sorry for that. On the other hand, I want to speak to those of you that have paid a great price to reach out to those of other ethnicities you've given your life, perhaps as a missionary. I want to commend you on what you've done to bring about God's grace to them. Well, so today, I'd like to begin by kind of explaining a little bit about what race is, what prejudice is. And, of course, what reconciliation is. So let me begin by talking about race. What I chose to do to begin with is kind of go back to more of the textbook understanding of race. And I chose to go back to the very first dictionary of the American language. Because I felt like we'd have a better understanding. And it's kind of salt and peppered with a kind of a Christian flavor through it all. Because that's where we were. So Webster did a great job with that dictionary. And so in 1828, here's what he had to say about race. Because I think as our language was now taking on a new form in the new colonies here, we were understanding what was going on. And here's what Noah Webster said. He said, race is a word that that, uh, coincides with the origin of a rod, a ray, or radiate. Meaning it has a source and then it kind of goes. So as it begins with a source, race starts with someone and then it kind of goes forward goes a little bit further and he says, and I like this, he says, it's the lineage of a family or continued series of descendants from a parent who is called the stock. A race is the series of descendants indefinitely. Thus, all mankind is called the race from Adam, Adam being the first human being. So we're all part of what we'll call the human race. Science might use the term Homo sapiens. So what really constitutes a race? And I might add, what kind of separates all these races? And why do we have what we have today? And why are these so marginalized and identified? It really began in the 1800s, even before Darwin and the whole evolution was popularized. Most people were referred to races this way. You would be of an Irish race. You would be of a Spanish race. You would be of the English race and so on. However, when Darwin decided to write his book, which was really the treatise, which really would be perhaps the foundational book to at least begin the whole evolutionary train of education. The name of that book kind of lets you know that this is where he was going with this. And I don't think I would be too inaccurate to say that Darwin himself could be identified even as a racist today. And here was the title of the book, the title you're aware of is this, On the Origin of the Species by Means of Natural Selection. And that's what you hear. But if you've got a copy of the original book and you could see the entire title of that book, it goes like this. On the origin of species by means of natural selection or the preservation of favored races in the struggle of life. And so by evolution, he was trying to prove that there were races that were better than other races. And I wish I had the time, maybe even a little bit of the courage to show you how that really has shown with the aborigines, with the black people in Africa and what he felt about the less favored races and who were the favored races and how evolution fits into all of that and then how it played out in society even including circuses and zoos and places like that it's so horrible i don't want to share that with you but you can get a copy if you'd like well let's move a little bit more towards science now what they might have to say so let me read this to you this is coming out of some material that was uh, put out later on by Ham and Ware and others in a book that I think would be important for you to get, especially if you want to go further on this, because it will help you understand a little bit more of what's happening. It's talking about One Blood, is the name of the book. Let me go on and read this to you, if I may. It says, All human beings in the world today are classified as Homo sapiens. Scientists today admit that, biologically, there really is only one race of humans. For instance, a scientist at the Advancement of Science Convention in Atlanta stated this, race is a social construct derived mainly from perceptions conditioned by events of recorded history, and it has no basis in biological reality. The same person said, curiously enough, the idea of the races comes very close to being an American manufacturer. And it seems like the division of the races really took out a great deal of steam coming from the American mindset. And that, of course, going all the way back to Darwin and further. More recently, scientists have done other things. They've done research, and they're arguing now that the term race is basically so meaningless that it should be disregarded because we all come from Adam or one race. goes on a little bit further. Those working on the map of the human genome... Now, most of us don't know what a genome is. I didn't know really what it was. That wasn't my style of science. But really, it's all the genes and our chromosomes coming together to make us us, making us who we are. And it's a whole map, and there are so many words, I could hardly pronounce them, and if I thought I'd read them to you, I'd lose everyone except maybe a couple of you. But basically what they're saying is, when you map out all of this, it says that they had put together a draft of the entire sequence of the human genome, and the researchers had unanimously declared this. There is only one race, and it is the human race. I like that very, very much. So, personally, here's where I'd like to uh, land. I'd like for me to land, and maybe you as well, that we would refer to ourselves instead of races, but as just simple people groups. In fact, if you read in Scripture, you're going to find in the Old Testament, when you use the term nations, is probably a better term to use, people groups. We're all part of the human race, but that's a people group. And they may be different, and I'm not denying the fact that we have a little bit of technicolor of Homo sapiens, the black and the white and the red and the yellow and the brown and all of that. But I have no problem with that because God made them that way. And I understand that they might look a little different, but we're still one blood. And I look at all of that and I say... There's some culture that's also salt and peppered in and I kind of like that. You know why? Because it shows me the variety of God. And for a moment as I look over this crowd right here, I know that God loves people. Tall people, short people, wide people. Notice how I said that. Not so wide people, different color hair, no hair, bottled hair. He loves you just the way you are. He has made so many of us. It's a kaleidoscope of humanity because God likes variety. God loves diversity and God loves us to love them. And a phrase I'll use till the day I die is I want to love those whom God loves and God so loved the world. That begins to help me to center me a little bit when I see some things done with one race against another race. And I want to remind everybody that God loves those people and how important they are. So that's a little bit about race. But now let's talk a little bit about prejudice. Now, I know I haven't gotten into Scripture deeply yet, but there'll be a lot of verses. But I also want to give you the background so you have some underpinning. So when you begin to teach this or you own this, it starts here and it goes to your heart then and then it comes out your hands in your life. So let's talk about prejudice just a little bit. Going back to Noah Webster's 1828 Dictionary of the American Language... He basically says this: prejudice comes from two different words. They're Latin words, which mean pre-judgment. It's an opinion or a decision of mind formed without due examination of the facts or arguments, which are necessary to a just and impartial determination. It means we've come to a conclusion without looking at all the facts and being able to make a wise decision based upon all the facts. It's prejudging. He goes on to say this in his definition of prejudice. He says, it is a previous bent or bias of mind for or against any person or thing. And the last he says, it can result in what he calls damage, injury, mischief, hurt, and violence. Now think about it whether it's one race against another race or one authority against a non-authority, so to speak, when you have prejudice in there, it often then finally deteriorates, degenerates into mischief, hurt, violence, pain, and, and of course, death. So what would be a, a biblical understanding of this? I'll just give you one verse to kind of lay the, the, uh, the landscape and then we'll cover some more. A biblical understanding from scripture is simply this, and it's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 19 verse 7. It goes like this. Now then, let the fear of the Lord be upon you. Be very careful what you do. Why? For the Lord our God will have no part in unrighteousness or partiality, which is prejudice, or the taking of a bride. Now we already know about taking of a bride. But he says, no part in unrighteousness or prejudice. So when I think of unrighteousness, you can think of unholiness and all that deals with the whole concept of unrighteousness. Right next to it is the word prejudice, which is now saying that the two are so close together in that which God hates. That we need to be extremely careful of that issue of prejudice.ness Now what I'd like to do is to kind of appeal to you, because there's a wide audience that's listening to my voice today. And I'm not going to pigeonhole you into any particular camp. What I'd like to do is to give you perhaps six different camps of response towards someone of the opposite race. All right? We know we're all of the humans, but using the secular idea of you're of this race and that race and this race, etc. So with that, I'd like to give you six. When I give you these six, I'd like you to do your own personal private inventory of where you think you might be on this list, and I'm going to do it like a spectrum, like a color spectrum. We're going to start with the very worst to where perhaps the very best and where we ought to be. And you decide where you are as I have to decide where I am. And at any given moment, perhaps it after any or during any event that's occurring regarding races, I might pop from one to the other. And yet at the same time, I know where I need to stay or land, I should say, and then stay. So let me give them to you now and see where, um, where you might be with those. All right. There's six of them. Let me start with the worst. Get that behind us. We're going to call that person a racist. All right? A racist. Now, what would make a racist? And I'll give you my explanation. I don't know so much about a definition, but what works for me to understand these six terms, this is what works. A racist. This would be someone who hates, bullies, or discriminates against someone of the other race. They absolutely hate that person. They'll bully that person. They'll discriminate against that person. In other words, there's some form of action that brings ongoing pain to that person of the other ethnic group, a racist. Some of you probably know someone who's a racist or someone perhaps who, um, or you've read about racists, and you certainly know the result of racism. The second term is not as bad, so you might say, I'm not a racist. Well, maybe the second term up from that would be a bigot. What's different between a bigot and a racist? A bigot is someone who believes in stereotypes. A bigot is someone often who um, will belittle someone, maybe not so much to their face. That would be more in the camp maybe of a racist. But a bigot is someone who will talk about their negative belief system, their prejudices, with other people that will agree with them. So they're a bigot to them, but they're a bigot about someone else. This would be the person who wouldn't mind listening to and telling ethnic jokes at the expense of another person's ethnicity or race that's a bigot here's the third one you say i'm not a bigot i don't do that i wouldn't put up with that all right you might be a person who's an avoider that's the third one an avoider this is someone at times that i sometimes wrestle with and i have to overcome and that is that i feel sometimes uncomfortable about people of other races some more than others Some I have to be around them a long time and then I really understand them and my preconceived, my prejudged, my stereotypes kind of evaporate and I really begin to really love those people. So a person who avoids them will be one as you go on an elevator with someone who's of a different race, you automatically think there could be trouble in this here elevator and you wish you couldn't get on it and you try to get out of it. So you want to avoid being around them, you avoid them. Well maybe you're not that level yet. So you become the fourth person, and this would be the insensitive person. This would be the person who is uh, insensitive to what hurts the other person. In other words, um, you don't really avoid them, but um, you you don't really know how much they're really hurting. Now think about what I've just said. You don't feel their pain for a moment. And so since you don't feel their pain, you don't think about their pain, and so you kind of are insensitive to them. I like thinking in terms of, um, um, if I stepped on your toe, what would you do? You'd yell. You're sensitive to the pain of me stepping on your toe. And then you yell and I say, what are you yelling about? All I did was step on your toe, get over it. How would that work? How would it work in your marriage if you, you're there and your wife says to you, um, hey, what you said really hurt me. And then you responded, you shouldn't feel that way. I would say that's the beginning of World War III. (laughs) And so we call that insensitivity. The fifth one is very similar, so I'll go quickly with this one. It's called apathy or apathetic. You don't care that they hurt. It's a little different than uh, simply you're insensitive to them. Insensitive says, and you kind of know they hurt, but the one who's apathetic says, I don't really care that you even hurt. So the sixth one is sensitivity. And that one is at... uh, You know, I feel your pain. I'm so sorry you're that way. It's like me beginning my sermon by taking some responsibility, but also apologizing for all the people who hurt you. I'm sensitive to your pain. I want to include you. But at the same time, that's still not enough. And I wanted to go to number seven because this is the one that's the biggest leap of all. But I believe this is the leap that God wants us to take, and that's this. We don't just want to be sensitive to other people's pain. We want to be a reconciler between the races, between people. It'd be like a marriage. You want to reconcile people together. Broken relationships, you want to reconcile them together. So now, how would I define that? Very simple. Three words. You want to be, number one, an active bridge builder. And so where does that all begin? Well, to me, I think the best place to begin, because God made you, God made them, and God sovereignly brought you and that other person or people together, is to simply say, Lord, I know I'm to be an active bridge builder. What, how, when, who, because I already know why, let me be a part of a bridge building experience. Now, I know that is a leap for a lot of folks. And sometimes with me, it can be a leap. But I also know it's a leap where God says, I'll do it for you. I'll do it with you. I'll do it in you. And I'll do it through you. So let me answer the question, why does God really hate racial prejudice? Why does he really hate it? I want to give you some reasons because we know he does. But maybe by me opening up why he hates this, it might help you gain a greater understanding why you and I should not only love whom the Lord loves, but we also should hate what God hates. Not who God hates, but what God hates. And so let me give you some of the reasons why God hates racial prejudice. Let me give you number one. One is prejudice challenges God's creation. Actually, it's challenging a sovereign God who is the creator, if I want to go that far. But basically, it challenges God's creation. Because every human being, whatever they were made, black, white, red, yellow, brown, God made them that way. They had no choice. They couldn't say, I want to be this In their background, God chose to do that. God doesn't make junk. God doesn't make one race better than the next race.
1: You are listening to Make It Clear. If today's message helped you to better understand God's Word, let me encourage you to be with us next time. Or go to our website, MakeItClear.org, for more resources. If Stan's biblical teaching is helping you to understand God's word more clearly and to apply it to your life each day, please remember, this ministry is listener-supported. You can become a partner with Make It Clear and take this teaching to other believers around the world by making a tax-deductible donation to Make It Clear. P.O. Box 607901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Or you may do so securely online at makeitclear.org. On behalf of Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Florida Bible College, thanks for listening and invite a friend to join you next time for Make It
0: Clear. 94.9 FM, AM 950, The Word, 24-7, with the finest Bible teaching, like that which you just heard from Stan Pons and Make It Clear. If you'd like some more information on this ministry, if it is a blessing to you, you'd like to bless them back with a financial gift, that's simple to do. Go online to thewordorlando.com, look for the program guide link at the top left of the homepage, click that, and all that information will be right there for you. And remember the ministry's name. Make it clear. Stan Pons. Monday through Friday at 530 here where faith comes by hearing. Well we made it. Yay! It's a Friday, already for the weekend. Otherwise, you're going to love it right now. you got to love it. 71 degrees and mostly sunny. I'm Alan Dempsey. And our Church of the Week is Center Point Community Church of the Nazarene. Pastor Dwayne Adams welcomes you with a Sunday service at 10.30 a.m. And I invite you to join us for Church of the Week Sunday at 2 p.m. I'll have an interview with Pastor Dwayne Adams. We'll find out more about him and the church. And then he will deliver a message here for us right now. Right after that. So I invite you to join us for the Church of the Week this Sunday at 2 p.m. Center Point Community Church of the Nazarene on Curry Ford Road. Our Church of the Week at 2 on 94.9 FM and AM 950. The Word. Coming up next, if you're a believer wondering whether God can use you, ask Him how He would have you serve those around you. Dr. Charles Stanley on In Touch helps you answer the question Can God use you? That's next. In touch, Dr. Charles Stanley on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word.
1: A CNN original series. Stop doubting and believe. The followers who loved him.
0: I am the resurrection and the life.
1: The enemies who feared him. Go to Bethlehem. Tell them all. Who is the man behind the greatest story ever told? Everybody who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. Finding Jesus. New season Sundays at 9 Eastern and Pacific on CNN.
0: Hey, Dave, why in such a hurry? I've got so much to do, Phil. Our company's having an important show this month, and you know what they say about first impressions. We need a display booth, retractable banners, table throws, and banners, and I don't even know where to start. Three words, Dave, True Blue Designs. Who? Yeah, True Blue Designs. I had the same situation not too long ago. They took care of my banners, my table toppers, my signage. We looked great. True Blue Designs has over 50 years of combined experience in the signs and graphics business. They will consult, design, and produce your displays, show banners, and accessories, and they will deliver. Great website, too. Go online to TBDSigns.com. I need presentation folders, brochures, flyers, business cards, and promotional items. Can they handle that? Yeah, Dave, they sure can, but don't forget the name, True Blue Designs. Make a lasting impact at your next business meeting, convention, or special event. True Blue Designs. Don't ignore your image. Embrace it. With True Blue Designs, take a tour at TBDSigns.com or call 407-326-6800. True Blue designs.
1: Do you need a new roof but don't know who to call? Well, there's a professional roofer in town that takes you and your home seriously. The company is Total Roof Services, a premium provider dedicated to complete client satisfaction. You'll personally experience the difference. The staff is professional and highly qualified to meet your needs. Every client gets a complete inspection report outlining any deficiencies your roof may have, and it's free. Here's Andre Kudlaz, president of College Park Partnerships, and her experience with Total Roof
2: Services. I've really- since the College Park Partnership, the whole community of College Park. I really enjoyed working with Total Roof Services. No one that was as reliable. Total Roof Services did a fabulous job on my
1: house. My partner and I, Jose Morales, met at church several years ago and founded Total Roof Services. Ever since, we've made it our mission to serve our community. You're going to love your roof. I guarantee it. Visit us at TotalRoofServices.com.
0: State license CCC 1330329. 24.9 FM and AM 950. Central Florida's WTLN Orlando. The word where faith comes by hearing.